Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Radio Imbibe from Imbibe Magazine. I'm Paul Clark, the executive editor of Imbibe, and it's Negroni Week. Every year since 2013, we've been so excited to celebrate this iconic cocktail with thousands upon thousands of bars and restaurants around the world. And as a charity fundraising venture, Negroni Week has raised more than $3 million over the years. This year's Negroni Week is well underway, and the best part of the week is you're invited. Head to NegroniWeek.com to find participating venues near you and a list of this year's charity partners. Then celebrate safely this year while supporting this fundraising effort. For this episode, we're marking Negroni Week in a couple of ways. We're going to kick off things with a conversation with Damian Diaz and Otan Nolasco, the co-founders of No Us Without You LA, one of this year's charity partners and an organization that we featured as part of this year's Imbibe 75 coverage. And stick around after that conversation because we're heading to San Diego to talk to Anthony Schmidt from behind the bar at Jay and Tony's, one of this year's participating venues. Thank you so much for, for both taking the time to chat with me for the Negroni Week episode of the podcast. And we had you in our Imbibe 75 issue at the beginning of this year for the work that you've been doing with No Us Without You LA, which you founded uh, just as the COVID-19 crisis was first hitting your community. For those listeners who may have missed that coverage or maybe new to what you're doing, just fill us in. How and why did you start this organization? Uh, hello there. Good morning, Paul. Thanks for having us. My name is Damian Diaz. I am one of the co-founders of No Us Without You. Uh, we're a 501c3 nonprofit here based out of Los Angeles. As you know, uh, we are helping to serve over 1,600 families with food assistance that have been displaced during uh, COVID from their jobs, their back-of-the-house positions. So my business partner and co-founder, Oton Nolasco, and I, back in March of last year, we started seeing all these GoFundMes and charity drives spring about at the beginning of the pandemic with the intention, I hope, our hospitality sector, but we were a bit upset and disappointed more so to see zero representation of what we call back of the house position staff. So at that point, we were upset, but we were like, let's do something about it instead of just being mad. Um, so then we put our energy into 10 families and helping them to be fed for the first week. And then we quickly doubled and tripled our numbers. Um, in about 18, 19 months now, we're at almost at 1,600 families or so that we serve each and every week. And we're happy to say that our original 10 families are still being served with food assistance and other resources that we provide. Uh, well, you know, as you know, it's been 18 months since this started and you're initially feeding, uh, you know, a handful of families a week. As you scaled up, as you reached the size uh, that you are now, uh, things progressed quite a bit and it re required, you know, quite a bit of, you know, kind of infrastructure and planning on your part to, to kind of make this happen. How did that develop early on, especially like during some of the hardships that we were facing uh, early on in the pandemic? Hi, good morning, Paul. It's uh, a great question. This is Otono Lasco. Uh, you know, we, we scaled up out of pure need. Uh, the 10 original families by the end of the first week and it was 30 families that we had served and you know everyone has friends co-workers brother-in-law sister-in-law so the word kind of spread within our, our 30 families and it was 120 families before we knew it we were very fortunate to have some uh, built-in infrastructure you know we we have a consulting business that was obviously shut down during the pandemic but we had an office it wasn't very big thousand square foot office uh you know we had my 13 year old trucks. So we were able to, you know, use our own money and go buy food in bulk from restaurant supply company. 
and then bring it back to our office. You know, we, we bought another refrigerator. So there's little things that we we did, but as it became apparent that the little refrigerator uh, wasn't going to be enough as we were getting more donations, especially of, you know, fresh produce and dairy. And Dave and I were just telling the story to one of our friends the other day about we got this huge donation of milk. I think it was like 400 gallons of milk and we had nowhere to put it. So I think Damien called it a ticking time bomb. And that's when we reached out to our friends. So uh, one of our best friends and, and most beloved uh, people in the world is Cindy Thompson from Crafted Kitchen. She has a beautiful uh, commissary uh, industrial kitchen that we were able to reach out to her. And she has ginormous uh, walk-ins and freezers. And she graciously lent us uh, walk-in space at no charge. So we were able to put the milk safely away and and store it. It, it really helps. So we, we relied on our, our friends in the industry, you know, uh, to get us the things we needed. Another time we had a friend who connected us with the general manager of of Restaurant Depot and he let us store a bunch of dairy for like a week, you know, uh, on some racks and we use that as like home base to distribute it. So it, it's just scaling up just involves really asking for help. And, you know, when COVID closures first hit in early 2020, we're all hearing that it might be for a couple of weeks, maybe three weeks. Uh, but here we are, second half of 2021, still dealing with the effects in the aftermath. And with the coronavirus, still a very significant threat. Uh, how do you see the organization's mission as we continue to move ahead in the months and the year to come? Um, I think we can, Oton and I can both agree at this point, uh, we do have a, a good grand majority of our families uh, employed now which is what we want, which is huge. However, we still want them to know that us as a resource, as an organization to provide some type of stability uh, so that they can play catch up with finances, utility bills, things for the family. That's really where we want to maintain our focus is to make sure that they're okay, not just with the food, but emotionally, uh, mentally, their, their physical nature, whether or not they're uh, in bedridden. You know, we've had countless families, Paul, that have mentioned uh, COVID has affected them directly. Uh, thankfully so, we've been able to manage our uh, COVID cases to not have any outbreaks within our staff and within the organization, thankfully. But that's not to say that these families haven't been affected by ways of death or uh, bed being bedridden. You know, we've had several families reach out to us and mention that they've lost several family members to COVID. Uh, and this is something that's happened from the beginning up until about a couple of weeks ago. So we just want to make sure that they know that they can confide in us so that they can get their their families back on their feet, especially right now with things being so uncertain with the educational systems and, and the infrastructure that, you know, the school systems have. It fluctuates on almost a daily, if not weekly basis. So we just want to help offset all those issues. Uh, by providing food assistance and all the other resources that we provide moving forward. And one of the reasons we wanted to talk to both of you is because this is our Negroni Week episode and Know Us Without You LA is one of our charity fundraising partners for the week. For Negroni Week participants who may wish to direct their donation to your organization, where will that money go? What does it mean for the people that you're helping? And how does, it, how does that translate through into the work that you're doing? That's a great question, Paul. So, you know, we're, we're very fortunate to be a 501c3 and to be tax exempt. And when when we received our, our tax exempt paperwork, uh, you know, backdated to the, the end of the month that we first uh, began in March 2020, you know, we were able to apply for local uh, state and federal grants, which which were really helpful. Um, but the biggest impact was that 
we were able to receive uh, donations from from private foundations and also uh, brand partners. So we were able to use our our relationships previously as consultants, where you know we had clients. Um, an example of that is uh, Tegate, Titanic in USA. They were able to they were able to pay for a a lease refrigerator truck for us. You know, and that comes with taking care of that, uh, the fuel, you know, the diesel for it, the insurance for it. So we have corporate sponsorships for all of our operating costs, whether it's, you know, the rent, the electric bill, um, like I said, fuel and insurance. So that when anyone donates to our organization to buy food, all that money, 100% goes to buying food. Um, Damien figured out early on that we could feed a family of four for one week for $33. So if someone donates $33 to us, all that money goes to purchasing food. Correct. Um, just to write off his coattails here, we we basically apply similar structure and approach that we would have in business and consulting to this. So if you have a case of limes that yields 126 limes at $20 a pop, you can cost out your limes, uh, potatoes, carrots, and so forth. We applied that same idea to this, and that's how we got that $33 mark. And, you know, as mentioned, Negroni Week is a charity fundraising week, but it's just one week. How can listeners and donors continue to provide support to, to your organization and help you guys out in the months ahead? So for folks that want to consider uh, donating to our cause and helping our families, you can definitely check out our website, knowuswithoutyou.la. It's all one word. Um, for those that want to go a little bit further and in, in I'll speak a bit broader here. Aside from Noah's Without You, in regards to the back of the house community specifically, um, it's up to us as industry professionals within our hospitality sector to really bridge this gap of understanding between back and front of the house. Uh, I think Oton and I can both agree that how many times for those who are listening that consider themselves bartenders, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the night, in this case, we have these bus tubs that we kind of just lay on the dishwasher, that man or woman behind and back of the house at 2, 2.30 in the morning, and we just expect this to be done every which way, every day. Uh, it's important to get to know who these individuals are. They do have names. They do have stories. They do have families. And for us to not just be advocates, but really dig deep and really try to understand who these individuals are as humans, because that's what they are. They're fellow humans here. Uh, and I only say that because oftentimes these folks have told us many stories where they don't feel that from their uh, front of the house counterparts. It's important for us to know that they don't, they shouldn't feel invisible considering that they're so essential and crucial to an establishment, whether it's a bar, a restaurant, or a hotel. Uh, so I think beyond those that want to donate, we should also take into consideration when we go back to work, we clock in and make sure that they know that we have their backs just as much as they have our backs as well. Well, guys, thank you so much for taking the time out uh, on, on this Tuesday morning to, to chat with me. It's been great uh, catching up with you. And and thanks for sharing this with our audience. Gracias, Paul. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you all for your support. without you.la to find out more about the organization and to keep up with their work. Just follow the link in this episode's notes to get you there. Now, there have been a number of bars open up in recent years focusing on aperitif culture and a general celebration of the Negroni and all Negroni-type cocktails. One of our favorites to come along is in San Diego, Jay and Tony's, a self-described discount-cured meats and Negroni warehouse. 
I had a fantastic afternoon at Jay and Tony's during a visit this summer, and for this episode, we're checking in with Anthony Schmidt, a partner and beverage director with CH Projects, of which Jay and Tony's is a part, about their embrace of aperitif cocktails, their own take on the classic Negroni, and about their support for Negroni Week this year. Thank you for for you know taking the time out of your day to, to chat with us. And at the time we're chatting, you know, bars around the world are still signing up to participate in this year's Negroni Week, uh, joining the thousands of venues that have participated over the years. In San Diego, Jay and Tony's is one of the bars that's participating this year. What prompted you guys to to get on board and to join in Negroni Week this year? For us, it's kind of a every week is Negroni Week type of situation. You know that. The bar is is centrally focused. The, the word Negroni is literally in the name of the bar, so we do we do this anyways. So for us, it becomes an opportunity to kind of like you know be extra and, and go the go the extra mile and have some fun with the the, the typical concept where you know if, if we were operating any other bar, we would kind of flip into Jay and Tony's. Well, now that we're already doing that here anyways, it's we can have fun with it and. and be wild and it's kind of like the rhetorical central focus of this place is to be pretty ridiculous it's essentially like like a bodega with all kinds of silliness and weird cocktails and yeah we take our negronis quite seriously now, like you said every week is negroni week at jay and tony's in some ways for negroni week are you doing anything particular for your menus or are you featuring what you typically do all of the above so for negroni week we are I, I don't really have a reason behind why we're doing it other than just because we were embracing wrestlemania so we are we're doing a, a wrestling themed competition between the bartenders across the like the ch projects multiverse the company that operates this bar and all of our other all of the other bars in our company i think that's kind of the beauty of jay and tony's is we don't have to have a reason necessarily we're just a just a negroni bar it doesn't mean that we have to be this hardcore italian buttoned up white collar and i think that's kind of the thing that has been attractive to san diego for us and so the wrestling theme is is a way to for us to have a lot of fun with it for us to dress up and for the other bartenders in our company to have a lot of fun with it. We're setting up essentially competitions. There'll be Monday Night Raw, there'll be Thursday SmackDown, and then Sunday will be, of course, WrestleMania, where you essentially have like revenue competitions on each day. Guest bartenders come from our other bars. They compete head-to-head against other bartenders. There'll be tag team matchups and, and who can essentially outsell the other one then moves on to WrestleMania. And so there'll be like a final showdown at the end of the week. It's just a way for us to, you know, be silly, do things that we wouldn't typically do and embrace the bar culture that we have in a way to just be cheeky and have fun with each other is, is the now, priority. You had said that obviously you, you make Negronis and all different types of Negroni spins. You were going to make a Negroni for us, but it's a Negroni kind of plus. So it's called Tony's Negroni because it's not really a Negroni. The reality is, look, a Negroni is a very specific thing. It's some people will argue to till they're blue in the face about the, the like specifics of the ratio. And, and I think I would do the same thing, too. If I was having classic Negroni, I'd very carefully select the gin. I'd very carefully select a vermouth. And I would very carefully, obviously, use Campari. But there was a time when you, there was like a default. You would, you would always get when we would, and of course, we're learning all this stuff about 
cocktails and traveling the, the country and trying to go to the best, in some, in some cases, traveling the world, going to other cities to in other other countries to, to try what they had to offer. And it was like, there was always a default to whatever milder gin, the very heavy Carpano Antica, and of course, Campari. And it was always in equal parts. For me personally, now again, this is just me personally, I tend to find it a bit, a bit on the sweet side. Now, this was especially accentuated if somebody was using like a big chunk of ice, which became, you know, kind of fashionable and building the drink in glass, which seemed to be pretty typical. You wouldn't get enough chill, enough dilution on it to thin out some of the sweetness. And so I would, I would set up my friends to order my Negroni and then I would order something else, one of their drinks. And then I would ask for a lemon wedge on the side. And so that way I could just have a little squeeze, a little touch of acid with the cocktail because I just, I just found it to be a, a bit on the sweet side. And then I just, I just like, I fell in love with this thing. And I know it's like, I tell, I tell some bartenders and I would set it up so that I wouldn't make a bartender at these fancy bars that we were visiting. I didn't want to make them feel bad. I didn't, I, you know, it was always in fear that I was going to hurt somebody's feelings. So they put all this time and energy into learning how to make this cocktail and doing it in the most classic way and, and having proper technique. And, uh, you know, I, I just didn't want them feeling like I was going to judge them for any, for any reason. And I, I ended up loving it. And then I started making them at the bars that I would work at. And people would say, you know, how do you take a Negroni? And I'd say, well, you know, it's, I told them the whole story. I told them the exact same story we just shared together. And they'd say, well, I want to try it. And lo and behold, they, they ended up liking it. So there was obviously some, some interest. And, you know, I've, I've always liked to dabble with the idea of, you know, this, it's almost, it, it almost, fringes itself a little more on the side of almost like a tea punch. If you were to think of like how we build cocktails and in terms of root template builds, it does have that touch of acidity from literally fresh fruit. That's from the first day that this place opened there had always been Tony's Negroni on the menu with a touch of lemon juice with a, with an equal parts build. We have a classic Negroni on our menu as well, which does have a slightly adjusted recipe for the sake of balance. And, and we are very careful about that. Now, that being said, I have the equal parts, Carpano Antica, Campari, and currently uh, Plymouth Gin Negroni as Tony's Negroni. And it has like this, the shyest quarter ounce of lemon juice in the mix. We have built a bar out of a freezer. So quite literally, all, all it's very simple. As long as you have your ice or your cocktail preset, we do a bit of pre-carving on our ice just so that we can grab the ice and throw them right into the glass. We have these big old cubes. We also use pre-mixed, essentially a batched cocktail. This includes the dilution from the build. So again, I'm just going to pour one out for us. Uh, and, and literally the cocktail is done. It's in the glass. I know that some people will argue there's a bit of a faux pas. The cocktail is, like I said, equal parts. It could be any, any ratio. You can, it, it's, it's also, we'll talk a little bit about how we can use the mix to evolve into other drinks as well. But here is equal parts, one, 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 Plymouth Gin, Campari, and Carpano Antica. And then the shy quarter ounce of lemon juice built into a bottle that has been kept in the freezer. The, the other key piece is one half of a part of water. So we're including some dilution in this. The other nice thing about this is that it won't, it won't freeze in, in, a, in a deep freeze. And so you get the benefit of essentially what the, what the human body couldn't do in a mixing glass. 
you you can't you can't get the drink this cold with the with with the perfect amount of dilution going into the glass that that's really the the difference maker and then what we the, the other bonus that you get from the freezer is you get a textural advantage that i think is almost like there's like a luscious there's still a start and and finish there's like a lusciousness in the in the beginning of the drink a thickness from the 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 deep temperature on the sweeter ingredients that kind of like thins out a little bit as it rests on ice but it has perfect dilution so every sip is just as you would have it although it this it'll preserve a bit longer because frozen glass big chunk of ice perfect amount of dilution deeply frozen liquid going into the glass all of this in, in extreme efficiency is is kind of like the name of the game especially for a drink that has become essentially the, the most popular drink on our menu here and it's just one full three ounce jigger over a big chunk of ice and, and we're all set but then it also evolves into other like sneaky opportunities where a negroni becomes almost like an, an ingredient in other cocktails so i could turn this into a spritz where i'm adding one part one part one part where i have one part negroni mix i have one part Cava, or pardon me, Prosecco, I have one part fresh sparkling seltzer, and then I can garnish it with whatever twist. I could do the same idea with mix of two different cocktails of similar style. If I have that preset, you know, I have Boulevardier topped with Lambrusco instead, all of a sudden is this incredible cocktail. Now, Negroni Week is, of course, a charity fundraising event. Uh, over the years, it's raised more than $3 million for charity causes, and we're hoping for a big addition to that this year. Participating venues select a charity from among those that have been nominated and vetted and that have agreed to participate. For Jay and Tony's, you've selected Keep Memory Alive, which works to provide treatment and cures for neurocognitive disorders such as Alzheimer's, Huntington's, Parkinson's, uh, while also raising awareness and funds in support of the Cleveland Clinic's Lou Ruvo Center for Brain Health. Why did you select this particular charity and how do you hope to help them fulfill their mission by doing this fundraising venture? Yeah, I mean, you know, without going into naming names, there are team members who are dealing with this on the home front. And, and of course, we're always about supporting our, our crew, you know, and whatever we can, whatever we can do to, to give back to, to those types of situations where it is something that has is a is a deep personal connection to the team here. I take that as a huge opportunity because then they they feel the support of their leadership. And I think that that's always essential. But not just that, I think any type of cognitive disease or mental health concerns, I think, to the to the point of just having a, a culture where we're talking about mental health in the bar world, I think, is is of the highest importance, especially today. And I think the more that we talk about it, the more that we raise awareness around it, the more that we support causes like this, the more that hopefully bartenders feel open about, you know, talking about their own situation. And, and maybe there's a way for us to get them help before something gets too far down the line. Well, Anthony, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me for the podcast. We hope you guys have a great Negroni week. Thank you so much, Paul. Jay and Tony's on Instagram at Prosciutto Boys, and that's boys with a Z. Just follow the link in this episode's notes to get you there. And that's it for this episode. Head to NegroniWeek.com to get on board with this year's event and to find and support a participating venue near you. 
Check out the Negroni Week hashtag on social media to see how everyone's celebrating around the world. And head to imbibemagazine.com for plenty more stories and recipe ideas. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest for all of your social media needs. And subscribe to Radio Imbibe for all of our upcoming podcast episodes. And if you're not already a subscriber to the magazine, then let's change that. Follow the link in this episode's notes and we'll take care of it. I'm Paul Clark. This is Radio and Vibe. Happy Negroni Week, and I'll catch you next time.